Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I'm your host, Ken Seymour, and I have to say I am extraordinarily excited today to bring to you two of my absolute favorite actors that has ever graced the screen or the stage, uh, the incredible Stuart Pankin and the immaculate Peter Jason. He has been immaculate in 60 years. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, anytime you get uh, uh, the number of appearances that the both of you have had in, in television and, and theater, I, I have to think that there is a certain level of divinity that goes along with it. Let me tell you something. If you had an iPhone and you clicked on Peter Jason's IMDb page, you would run out of battery power before you got to the end of his credits. <laughs> that is Where is that right now? The end. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I'm, I'm also, I, I, I don't usually do interviews with two people at the same time because it can sometimes get a little chaotic. Would it be okay if I brought in just a, like a second microphone so that I can feel like I'm <laughs> on even ground with the both of you? Great. Stewie, you talking to that one. <laughs> okay, but it looks really awkward. Uh, I'm gonna be working on this one. <laughs> so uh start with the start with the basics. How is life treating the both of you right now? Petey? Really? Uh, you know, some life is uh is treating me like it's treating most people. We're dealing with this pandemic which which ebbs and flows and wanes and waxes. You know, every other day, uh, I, I just got my second booster, God knows, to try to keep me alive. And uh, I'm spending a lot of time inside. I'm, I'm swimming, trying to stay in shape and getting to look as good as Peter Jason. And, uh, and I'm with my wife, with, with, my, with my family. Everything is great. Couldn't be better. I like it. How about you, sir? Just the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, you know, you're forced to deal with this uh, isolation. I've been forced to go out to my backyard and play with sticks. I find wood, I make it, I make stuff out of them. I make boxes, I make trunks, I make tables, I make animals, I make sticks, and then I paint them. I don't use any nails. It's all for free. They're really gorgeous. They're, he uses a lot of nails. He's lying, but he's zero nails. And uh, look, and uh, you know, it's kept me busy. It's kept me happy. And I'm going to have an art show here soon. That sounds like a lot of fun. Other than that, it's it's dangerous out there. You know, they went to the, everybody went to Washington and uh, Pelosi came back with COVID. The mayor of New York came back with COVID. You know, I was scared to death. I went to the circus the other day, Circus de Soleil there, which was fantastic. But it was down at the uh, Microsoft Theater down in Live LA. And uh, there were people everywhere. I mean, they checked your... You know, you check your stuff, you check your stuff, you quote your stuff, you check everything, you know. And, but still, I wore everything down there, and I, I think, <coughs> yeah, I'm fine. Uh, but you never know. You never know. <laughs> well, we so all it's do. Scary. It's scary. What are you going to do? Old people. You know, we've gotta, we got to, we're at a risk more than most people, I guess. So, but I feel when good. I When I get to Peter's age, I'm going to feel exactly the way he does. I do say. So now this is not the first film, uh, Deep in the Forest. This is not the first film that the two of you have worked together on. Uh, is it? No. Stop. You were both in Arachnophobia. I remember that. Oh, I remember done. Peter Chasen. That's where we done. fell in love. <laughs> so uh, that, was the, that was the only one that I could find. Have, have you both kind of uh, 
been in each other's orbits for a significant amount of time. Uh, we fell in love on that picture. You know, Peter and I, yeah, we met in that picture and I realized that, you know, how great Peter was. And he was actually, uh, we worked with Jeremy Lanny, who was the director of Deep in the Forest. At least, Peter's done more than I have, but we've done at least three other movies with Jeremy Lanny, maybe two. Uh, Peter's done a bunch. I've done two with, with Peter. And uh, th and those are smaller movies. Arachnophobia was obviously, you know, a, a bigger movie. But uh, Peter's been in my life and he's been in my son's life. He was my son's special friend uh, once when his grandmother uh, couldn't make it. And, uh, you know, I mean, that, that that's the way we've been for the last 30 years. That's, we that... built a playhouse in his backyard. For his my son, son needed a play. My son, I wanted to get by my son a playhouse. And Peter was over dinner says, what are you talking about? Uh, buying. <laughs> Big bonding moment, big bonding moment, because- uh, We built a playhouse. I mean, Peter's a great carpenter. And he went out and he got all the wood and- and, and he had never had a hammer in his hand. <laughs> well, I've had, no, I don't want to go there, but no, I haven't but, uh, really had a hammer in my hand. He had all the brand new equipment, the vest and the and the belt and the hammer and the chisel and the nails and the, he had it all brand spanking to wear. Looked fantastic. I think I came in my shorts and a T-shirt or something and uh, was, was using a coffee cup to pound stuff in. Uh, Peter said, when I first got it, he says, let's get dressed. And I said, let's get dressed. He said, put on your, your belt, your tool belt. That's what I mean by let's get dressed. <laughs> He's been doing it for a year. He's great. He's great. Uh, and we built a gorgeous house. A gorgeous beautiful house, house in the backyard. Beautiful, beautiful uh, playhouse in the backyard. Yeah, it was great. I think I tried that at one point. Uh, somebody pointed out a small flaw in my design when there was no, no door. Uh, <laughs> okay, can you go well, there was no door in ours either. Peter <laughs> dug a tunnel from our kitchen to underneath the house, and that's how we got in. <laughs> oh, so. Until we broke into the pool. <laughs> yeah. And then everything was a wash. So throughout throughout your histories, you, you've both been involved with some just fantastic projects. And I know you get talked to a lot about uh, the big the big names that come up at any given time. I'm sure, Mr. Pankin, that uh, dinosaurs sure. comes up. Uh, Andrea Marcovici. <laughs> <laughs> so what I wanted to know is a lot of times when you're on so many projects, I mean, there's going to be just a couple of instances that maybe the, the consuming public is not aware of that are just hold a special place in in your minds. Do you have anything like that? That's like, you know, I, I was on this one show and I just cannot think how much I, I loved the set design on it or uh, loved working with a, a particular director or just the ambiance of the cast uh, working together. Wow, well, I, I have no bad feelings about any project I've done. I mean, people have asked this question before. And there's, 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 there's no project, no actor that I work with, no cast, no director that I, that I wouldn't, you know, love to work with again. I mean, it, like, this is, means nothing, but one of, the, one of my favorite experiences was a low-budget movie <laughs> directed by Lloyd Schwartz, who was Sherwood Schwartz, you know, that Brady Brunch guy in uh, uh, Gilligan's Island. It was, we did it in, a, in the back of a warehouse and for about two weeks, it was the most fun I've ever had. Nobody's ever heard of the movie. Nobody will ever hear it. 
But that, but it, to answer a long answer to your short question, uh, there's nobody, you know, I love arachnophobia, uh, 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 you know, dinosaurs and fatal attraction, all these stuff <clears throat> that I've done that people may or may not have heard of have all been, you know, instrumental in moving me along in my life or my career. So that's it. What about you, Mr. Jason? You know, I'm always uh, amazed that they asked me to come and play again <laughs> because that's what I like to do. I love to show up and play. Once in a while, you know, there's a bully on the playground and uh, it takes the fun away from everybody. I don't like to name names because, well, some, some of them are dead and they can't fight for themselves anymore. But uh, what was that pain? Am I, uh, that, that, I need to take my medication. I'll be right back. Great. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, it's uh, it's just so much fun to do what we do when uh, the world is like in misery and we get to play for a living. People ask me, why are you so happy all the time? Because I've never worked. Uh, you know, I've never had to go to work. Uh, once in a while, you, 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 you run up against uh, some selfish, egotistical jerks that make it unfun. But still, you work around them, you know. You, uh, you, you, you try to uh, just pretend they're not there and just continue to have as much fun as you can because that's what we're here for. We're here. Nobody likes to watch anybody work. We, we're an, we like, the audience likes to see people play. And it, hearkening all the way back to some of the most successful shows ever, like, like the Mary Tyler Moore show. The first time I was, I was working on Gunsmoke at the same time they were doing that. And I'd go back to this dressing room door every day and I hear the laughter pouring out of this dressing room door. One day I stuck my head in and Ed Asner said, get your ass in here, kid. And I went and I looked in and it was Gavin and, and Ted and, and Ed and the three of them just made each other laugh all the time and had such a great camaraderie. This show was hugely successful and ran on forever. And all of them got different series out of it. You know, it's, 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 it's not difficult to play. It's really fun. It's the yes. ones that slow down the playing process that always bother me. Uh, yeah. You're, Peter's right. I mean, I said to a director once, I got to go to work. He said, you don't work. You know, digging, digging ditches is work. Laying tar on roads is work. You know, <laughs> and he's right. And, and you know, we are lucky. We are lucky as actors to do something that we've probably loved doing. You know, all our all our sentient lives. And uh, it's not to say that it's not hard. You know, I've seen people who aren't actors step in front of the camera and are are destroyed. You know, just cannot handle that moment when they say, all right, 30 speed, Apple 30 and Apple Baker, take two and action. Uh, uh, and you're supposed to pretend like you're alone in your room. And, and, and it's like, <sighs> you know, it's, it's not everybody's capable of having everything going on around you at the same time and going, well, I'm all alone. Here. I don't know what to do. You know? Stare right down the barrel of the camera. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so creeping up your nose, and we we love that. That's what we, we, we that's what we're trained to do. Number one, and number two, we that's what we love doing. So okay, maybe maybe a better question, uh, rather than just a, a memory from a specific production. Is there a part of the process? that you enjoy more than others, whether it's the, the, the uh, table read or the introduction to the rest of the cast, getting to know each other, 
what part is maybe your favorite part of the creation of the piece of artwork? And that's lunch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, when I was younger acting uh, in, on stage and from college, I hated the rehearsal. I said, let's, let's get that audience in there. Let's get that, that response. Let's get those, those, those kudos. The older I got, the more I, I enjoyed uh, the process, the rehearsal process. And I'm talking about not only on the set, but at home. I enjoy working on the, on the script at home and coming up with stuff. I used to, uh, you know, and I don't think people objected. I used to rewrite, even when I first got here, all kinds of stuff because I was just studying the script and I was, I was trying to make it better and I thought I could make it better. And a director once said about one of the first shows I did, the San Pedro Beach Bum, he said to the director, these guys are changing, and everybody was doing it now. These guys are changing the words. Uh, you know, how am I supposed to shoot it? And the producer said, you know, for the nine, for the 1% they screw up, the 99% of the times it makes it better. So you just go with that. And that gave me some validation as an actor and as, as a performer. So those moments of at home, at the work at home, and on the set in rehearsals, I've come to really enjoy that. I just hate when those cameras roll because I'm such a private person that I don't like to be on film. But I love the no, that's a lie. That's a total fabrication. <laughs> I, you but, you had me there for a minute though. Yeah. Well, the, I studied acting, <laughs> uh, but that's you know I, I've I've changed. And when I used to work, uh, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the interaction with the cast on, on stage. You come up with stuff. I mean, if you're open to it. That's the creative process. You just come up with some stuff and, and hopefully it works. Now, one of the hardest things I believe for an actor to do is to get the job. And uh, so I, I never liked the audition process. I never liked anything about it. Uh, I was always uncomfortable. I was nervous. I, I never felt I always wanted to do it a second time and they wouldn't let me. And it, it was just I, not my fault. I had to embrace that. And that became my favorite part. Now over, you know, 55 years of acting, I've been to over 15,000 auditions and that, that's my comfort zone. That's my area of comfort. I play in the lobby, you know, I play with the kids. I play with, and then, I, and then when they call my name to go into the room to meet the people, I play with them. And, uh, you know, they either like to play or they don't like to play. <laughs> and they find out instantly whether they want me in their, in their company. And, uh, and that's why Peter never works. That's why I haven't worked since Easter. <laughs> you know, somebody somebody once said the orgasm happens when you uh, when you uh, get the job, and the rest of it is downhill. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But that's right. You know, but Peter's ta we've talked about this before. To make friends with the audition process is a really big deal for an actor who wants. You know, you can't. I mean, any number of acting professionals have said they're not the enemy in those rooms. They want you to solve their problem. That's why you come into audition. They want you to, to solve their problem. A lot of people think they're the enemy. They're not. And Peter's, you know, has expressed it very well. You got to make peace with that process. And you got to walk into that room, not with the ego that, that blows your head off, but with the confidence that you can do the job and, and, and that they want you. We're uh, providing a service. That's right. Service. How can I help you? You know, I showed up on time. I shaved. How can I help you? You know, and and uh, get us that guy rather than the one who showed up late, smelling last night, and wants to change everything. You know, I've and, had a friend who's a fairly was a fairly successful actor. He's he waited a long time and he walked out. And and I said to myself, maybe him, 
what good does that do? That doesn't do any good for anybody. Uh, you got to make peace with the process. It's, and as Peter said, it's a crappy process. There are, quite frankly, too many very good actors in, in, in town and over the world. There's just too many good actors. And getting a job doesn't mean you're the best. Not getting a job doesn't mean you're the worst. It's just there are so many factors that, that go into getting cast. So what Peter said is correct. You got to since you can't those are X factors. Those are factors that you can't control. Uh, when you go into that room, you better look at those people behind the desk and, and think of them as naked and, and, and wanting to, to play. Oftentimes, when you finish the audition, you go out going, I killed. I absolutely killed. That's the best I, I've ever been. There's no way in hell I'm not going to get this job. And the phone never rings. Yet you go in there and you flop and flip and floop and flop. And, 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 and you go out and go, oh, geez, I believe that one. And they call you and you got that job. So there's like no rhyme or reason most of the time about how you get it. You know, there's a, there's a, a French expression called esprit d'escalier, uh, which means the, the spirit of the staircase. So that when you, it's when you go out, you know, and you're walking down the stairways to go home, you go, geez, I should have done it that way. Or geez. And then you realize, oh, I know, now I know how to do it. You know, which is interesting because this woman came to talk to us at Columbia, an old Tony Award-winning actress. I think it was Zoe Caldwell. You're too young to remember. Peter knows. But she, she had won a Tony for this play, and she walked out after the last performance of the last scene of the play, and she said to the stage manager, I just figured out how to play that scene. <laughs> you know, and you say to yourself, that gives us a tremendous forgivability. I mean, you know, give yourself a break. But that's that's the acting process. And Petey's right. You got to make you got to make friends. Now, there's a certain amount of you're, you're alluding to that immediate uh, feedback of of the audience when you're in uh, in an actual stage play. And you've both been involved in quite a number of productions. And I was digging around, and I I had a couple of questions. I I saw that. Peter was in The Music Man at one point. Did you get to be the part of Harold Hill or were you a different person? Listen, either you're closing your eyes or a situation you do not wish to acknowledge or you're not aware of the caliber of disaster. Yes, I was. I, was I, <laughs> I, I, I saw that. It's like, yeah, that's 100%. I, I can see that. I, I wish I would have seen that. Well, uh, I'll tell you the truth. I copied uh, Robert Preston. <laughs> exactly. I, I saw many productions of it and he was by far the most fun uh, that of anybody. He was, a, he was a great con man. He was a great lover. He was a great human being. He was just, he was just fantastic. I, I fortunately got to meet him a couple of times and spend some time with him. And I fell in love with him even more. He was just, he was, he was the music man. And, uh, and if you're going to do it, you got to do it like him. Otherwise, <laughs> you're, gonna, you're not going to look right. Uh, uh, the one that stood out for uh, Stuart is, and, and, and it threw me off at first, and I didn't look at the year, uh, and that that's my own fault. It's like, oh, he was in a, a production of War of the Roses. It's like I didn't know they did that on the on the film from uh, Michael Douglas. That that doesn't sound right. Oh no, sorry, Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> that was Shakespeare. Yeah, I was. That was a long time ago. Uh, it was uh, it was in the park, and they did. Wars of the Roses, Wars of the Roses, Henry VI, but the three parts. He, he, they edited it down to to, uh, to two, and then they did Richard III with the great Donald Madden. 
uh, it was very exciting for me. Basically, I was beer carry and understudied a bunch of a bunch of parts. But uh, and we did it once, all at once. You know, the entire night, we did all three three hour productions. At the end, the cast of Hair came in and sang "Let the Sun Shine." In. So it was a very, you know, and to to sit even you know carrying a spear, literally carrying a spear, <clears throat> sitting back and watching some of these great Shakespearean actors in New York was uh, was. Um, a, a, a tremendous learning experience. It was revelatory to watch these people work. I was how about terrified <clears throat> when I had to go on stage in the rehearsal hall uh, to say my line, "Dear Lord, the the Carthaginians are at the gate." I was terrified. I the Carthaginians. <laughs> well, whatever. But I, I didn't want to cross, you know, the off stage onto the on stage to say that line. I was just shaking, and then you get used to it. But yeah, uh, again, a long answer. Uh, Wars of the Roses was. Uh, was a Shakespeare was a you know Joe Pat production in the park. That just, th those both just sound like really. I always imagine you know you you get into that conversation with friends like oh what are the concerts that you never went to that you wish you could have seen or you know, things like that. I I tend to think in terms of theater productions. What are the theater productions that I wish I could have seen if I ever had a chance? Both of those yeah. like man that that seems like it would just been so much fun to see either of those. Now you're you mentioned just there that uh, you were in the presence of some people that were that were very impressive in in their in their craft and everybody gets inspired by somebody at the beginning and I'm sure you've been asked the question multiple times who inspired you to get into the business I want to ask a slightly different question now that you've been doing productions for a number of years who inspires you today Wow Wow. Uh, I'll start. I mean, I, I can't think of anybody specific. There are a lot of actors I admire, uh, tons of them, but that doesn't necessarily, I mean, it's almost frustrating sometimes to look at these brilliant people and just say to yourself in the back of your head, I can't do that. I mean, I don't know if I could, I could do that. But the modern actors today, the Anthony Hopkins, the Cumberbatches, I mean, the Tilda Swinton, all these people are, are inspirational. Uh, whether I think of them when I step onto a set, no, not really. My inspiration, uh, the thing that got me involved in theater was my college director and, uh, and teacher, Dave Brubaker. Uh, he was, he was a, a giant in my mind, and he sort of inspired me to continue in theater. But you know, some, probably Peter's the same way, you always wanted to do it. You know, even when you're a kid, you know, singing and dancing in front of your family at, at, at Friday night dinners, you knew that you wanted to do it. I signed up in college to be a psychology major. But when I walked across that dark campus for that first audition for the for a college play, I knew it. I was I was hooked. I was done. And I knew in my head that I wanted to do it all my life. So that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. I like it. I have a lot of heroes, both alive and dead. Uh, but the young kids today, they're just so exciting to watch. They're just, they just are so talented and so free. Uh, I wish they could speak better <laughs> in America. We don't, uh, we don't have the technique that they have in, in Britain. We just don't, we don't teach it enough. Uh, I went to a school that they did teach it and, uh, <clears throat> everybody that came out of that school, uh, can speak distinctly because that was the name of the speech book speak with mm -hmm. distinction and uh well i'm sorry i didn't understand you 
<laughs> but nobody was funny. <laughs> uh, uh, but I, I liked. Uh, we had uh, when I was at Carnegie. They had these. We had four. I had three buddies, and we were the big four from from America. Because a, an article in the New York paper came out. Nobody can rival the big four from Britain. And it was it was uh, uh, Alan Bates, Albert Finney, Peter O'Toole, and Terrence Stamp. And so they became, you know, my heroes for a while. And uh, I got to work with a couple of them. And uh, uh, Jenna Rollins and uh, Meryl Streep are two people that I, I had the privilege of working with them. And both of them, they, 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 when, you, when, you, when I worked with both of them, all the lanterns were on in the eyes. All the fires were aglow. It was like full tilt boogie, you know? It's like, oh my God, they're hypnotic. It was like, they just sucked you in. And, and there was, they wrote, raised me to a level that I had never been to before. And uh, it, it was just so much fun. Let's do another take, another take, another take. And they were game. They were just game to do another one in any way you wanted it. And that made that day fly by so quickly. Um, people who are really excited about what they're doing are the people I like to be around. And uh, unfortunately, older people kind of are tired and sore and, 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 and angry and, and, and old. <laughs> and they, they don't like to do all the stuff that they used to do that used to excite them. Why are you not saying all of them? <laughs> I'm just saying Stewie. People like Stewie. <laughs> now Stewie's one of the few people I always latch on to whenever whenever in I don't care where we are at, at a dinner, you know, I'll go straight to Stewie because I know I'll have a good time. Always. One time they came one time we were in an award ceremony for one of Jeremy Laddie's movies and uh and uh I forget what the two signs were. One was meat. Beef and chicken. Chicken. Chicken and meat. <laughs> and they gave us little things. What do you want? Chicken or meat? You know, Stewie put chicken on his. I put meat on mine. And it sat there for the whole dinner. Oh. And the guy came by. Oh, you're meat. Uh-huh. You're, oh, you're the chicken. Okay, fine. <laughs> People looked at us like, get those stupid idiots out of here. This is a classy operation. Okay. Never with, not when we're there. Not when you tasted the chicken. <laughs> okay, I have to ask this. Uh, speaking, Don't ask it. Don't even think about be, it. Speaking of an awards ceremony. Uh, uh -oh. So in 2006, uh, Stewart was nominated for Best Celebrity Presenter at the Electronics Retail Association. Should have got it. Did you get it? No, Susan, Susan Summers got it, I think. Damn. Well, I should have slept with her. I did. <laughs> is it is it just me? It seems almost like you, you you did sketch comedy. It seems like a sketch comedy that it's an award ceremony for with a award for presenting awards. Well, it, it was a it was a it was an infomercial, <laughs> uh, you know, evening, and all these presenters <clears throat> were there. They, like all awards, they, it's just they to aggrandize themselves. My, my wife said, "Take that off your resume." <laughs> You don't have to have that. Oh. I said, okay, it's gone. I don't know. I think that's just kind of fantastic. Uh, I, I may have laughed for a good 10 minutes straight when I just started thinking about it. An entire television show could be written just laugh. on Put that. Back on your resume. And I'll tell you something else. It, it means nothing. But that weekend, I, I hired a cab to take me around Vegas. I hadn't been there a long time. There was a police chase. This guy 
that he was running from the police slammed into our taxi cab. Mm-hmm. Yeah, slammed into our taxi. I banged my head, and I, I you talk about not wishing that you hadn't gone there. You know, it was the most painful award experience I've ever had. <laughs> Literally. Oh man, I promise though it won't be nearly as painful as these brief messages about our social media. Hey there, Pudding People. Don't forget to check us out on our social media accounts so you can keep apprised of everything that we do any time of the day. Richard, you're most on Instagram, right? On the Gram Gram, yes. And what are we best known on Instagram as? Pudding Guys. Easy enough. In fact, that's also what we're known as on Facebook. Now, I'd say we're on Instagram just a little more than we are on Facebook. You might get the occasional update there. We are most active on Twitter, where we are at Real Pudding Guys. Uh, We will give you updates about the next episode that's going to be coming at the end of the week, when it's released, any other little updates to the Ultimate Comic Movie Database or the Pop Culture Death Counts will also be there. Um, Now, our most exciting changes are going to be coming up soon. We're going to have a new website called FATE the film and television engine. We're getting close to doing the beta for that. We're still working on the alpha side. We'll be doing a little closed beta and inviting a handful of people into this. I tell you what, it's going to be really, really cool when it releases. Now, you'll be able to also hear about that on our Patreon page. What are we on Patreon, Richard? Budding guys. Pretty easy. Now, right now, it's very easy to support us. How much does it cost, Richard? It's $1 per month. Per month. Not per day. Per month. <laughs> yes. $12 <laughs> for a year. Yeah. Uh, that's really not much to help support us as we release new content, as we get better equipment to release the content into. And when the Fate engine comes out, it will have its own cost, and we're going to make it very affordable for everyone to be involved with this. And it's going to be so cool. I can't wait for you all to hear about it. Now, as always, a very interesting uh, break. I I know both uh, Stuart and Peter really enjoyed it. Uh, They definitely think that you should follow us on all of our social media. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I've donated $50,000 to this uh... <laughs> I'm talking tick, 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 and uh, face plant all of them. That's Go right. Them all. That's right. I can tell you. I, I thought I saw the dance, uh, the TikTok dances from both of you not too long ago. All that that could have been a dream, possibly. Tick, 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 boom. That's me. <laughs> so, all right. So you've both had. You've been on both sides of the characters. You've been heroes. You've been villains. You've been anywhere in between. Just from your heart of hearts, when you're approaching a role, do you prefer? playing the hero or the villain or some shade of gray in between. I'm so tired of playing lovers. It's unbelievable. (laughs) You get so chafed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's more for me. It's, it's not necessarily heroes and and, and villains, you know, as a, as a character guy, a heavy character guy, I, I don't get to play heroes a lot. Villains occasionally, but more it's like, you prefer a comedy or drama. Now, having done comedy for so many years on stage and, and, and in movies, I always enjoy uh, a, a little change of pace. Like deep, deep in the Forest, you know, I get to play a little bit of a dramatic role, which is always fun to explore that. And uh, the, the more you do something that you're not used to, the more you learn from it and, and the better you get. So personally, 
<laughs> I would love to be more. I'd love to play a, 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 a psychopathic killer who eats babies. That's my dream job because <laughs> nobody will cast me in that, but that's what I want to do. I want to play some horrible, horrible man. Silence of the Lambs 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Stewie is right. The, fur the furthest uh, you stretch yourself, something that you would not normally be cast as uh, is always the most fun. And usually one of your best performances because it takes you out of uh, out of any comfort zone you're in and puts you in an area that uh, every moment is new. So you have to be awake and alive and and and, and, and embrace it fully. So uh, you can create that reality in, a, in an imaginary circumstance. It's it's that's the fun part of acting. Also, the fun part of acting, and you don't get that so much in movies unless you have a very strange uh, and open director. Uh, like on stage, if you do something, like PD said, you if you discover something on stage that night that you haven't done before, it's it's a tingle, it's an electricity that goes through your body, and you say to yourself, "I'm going to do that tomorrow," you know, and, and and that's a learning process, and that's that's a great growth for especially stage actors. Movies, you, you don't do that so much. There are moments, I guess, in movies where there's a scene where you can throw some stuff in and improvise, but uh, I, I don't know if PD agrees, but to me. I do. It's a different discovery. Yeah, but the stage is is it's always been my first love, and uh, and uh, I used to go back to it, you know, before the pandemic as often as I could. But be, because you just like you discover and you get to play. I was lucky enough to be in a theater that you get to play all kinds of different roles, roles I would never get cast out in the world. Uh, but because but because of that, if people that started like Stuart and myself to start off on the stage, there's a respect for the process and the creating of the family that is, 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 is a latecomer in the, in the film business. It's uh, you can, you can, you know, finish high school, come out and star in a show and, you know, never have been on the stage. And uh, I don't, I think you're, you're missing the, the, the fun. hundred percent. Very hundred percent. Family is uh, that's why I, I have a lot of, uh, not a lot of, but I have a few directors who, who hire me again and again and again, because they, like me to be a part of their family and they create a family. And, and, and uh, I love that. I, that's, it's a safe place. The family is a safe place to be in show business. A lot, it's a lot better. I mean, Petey has these directors and he knows as well as I do. You do a guest spot on a television show. You're, you're a stranger. I mean, you're in a stranger in a strange land. You got to pull it in and do your job. And while they're all, you know, talking about what happened last week and the ratings and the, you know, you gotta, you gotta. I hope they you know. invite you back. Huh? I <laughs> hope they ask you back. But you just gotta pull it together and do your job, and and don't worry about that. And directors usually like to pick on guest people. That's a whole other story. But you gotta pull it together and do your job, and not worry about the social stuff that's going on around you. That's why I like to stay there. Well, dealing with the same people also, it's just not just. The, I would think it would not just be that family, but that level of trust that you develop over time. They know what you're capable of. You know their process. And it just, it allows you to focus on other things that you may not necessarily be able to focus on if you're coming into a completely stark and new set of people that you've never worked with before. Yeah, you can't you can't improvise a lot as a guest spot in some of these television shows. I don't, they, they, they frown on that. Uh, but in the theater, you know, not only do you, do you have a family that you trust, you also know who not to trust. So, you know, if you're there in a company for months, you, you, you kind of get the lay of the land and you know who to go to and who to go away from. 
I bet that happens pretty quick. Um, so, okay, I'm sure you get this one a lot too, but I, I this is just a way for me to actually mention what uh, how your work has affected me personally. But I know people ask you, what do you get recognized for the most? And I know that's going to change over time as, as other things become popular. I know probably Peter gets recognized for, I, I would say, Deadwood at this point, maybe more than anything else. Uh, depends. The bartender in 48 hours is probably what everybody, uh, especially the African-American community, will always spot me. <laughs> hey, you're the guy. You're the guy. Hey, hey aren't you the guy? Yeah. Peter Jason went in for an audition once, and he did the audition. And they said, thank you very much, but we're looking for the guy who was the bartender in 48 hours. And Peter says, I was the bartender in 48 hours. He didn't get the job. <laughs> what, what, about, what about you? They asked me for, they asked my agent for Stuart Pagan type, and he said, Stuart Pagan's available. I didn't get the, no, I didn't get the job. <laughs> that's, that's what happens. <laughs> so do you get recognized for your voice work more or do you get recognized for your uh, live work me? more? Yes. Me? Yes, absolutely. Well, in the old days, in the old days, especially in the East, not necessarily in California because everybody's sort of jaded, uh, I used to get noticed for all the Disney stuff I, I used to do. The kids used to recognize me, you know. Uh, but dinosaurs, uh, during the pandemic, and I'm not saying it's me, it's the show, I used to get two to four autograph requests a day Man. a day to sign their little pod you know f f what do you call it pop, pop, i don't know those little plastic uh, oh the pop uh the pop thing yeah you know so dinosaurs since it was re-released on disney plus has now been things that people talk to me about i don't go out a lot <laughs> so it's usually based on what they see online or something but in the east i used to get recognized you know, fatal attraction and 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 the, mostly the Disney stuff. That makes sense. So both I I have it, it, and it's just because of the way that I was um, I don't know what to say raised raised uh, watch television. I was I was a strange child. So the stuff that I that I kind of strange adult. Uh, well, yeah, we don't talk about that part though. Uh, <laughs> so what I I recognize for for you, Stuart, you left an indelible mark. As as silly as it may sound. Uh, you were on a couple of episodes of Night Court, and yeah. when I was when I was watching that 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 was the connector. Seeing you on that, and then seeing you in anything else, it's like, oh, I know this guy. And he's, he's the guy on Night Court. Yeah. yeah, he's the guy on Night Court, and he's he's always been great. Um, uh, and for Mister Mister Jason, it's uh, Brewster's Millions. Your part in Brewster's Millions just sticks with me all the time. What climbing action news? The big story. <laughs> That's a good movie, Brewster's Million. I like that one. You know, it's been made, I think, four or five times, and it's always made money. It was actually based on a novel from 1902 and has been made in the United States as a play in 1906, as a film in uh, 61, 45, 35, 26, 21, and 14, and produced six times overseas. Oh, sure, you do research on him. <laughs> I do research on both. Uh, I swear, I swear. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, you've always made money. Yeah, it's 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 a good story. So okay, so now talking about the current day, the the thing that the thing that we're here to talk about. You you mentioned you've worked with uh, uh, Lanny uh, a number of times. Uh, now, when I was doing my research on on this nice gentleman, 
a lot of his stuff shows up as short films. Um, is this his? Is this his first feature length film that you work together on, or is is there is IMDb uh, falling behind and missing some stuff? I think this is his first full length, right? I believe I believe it's his first first full feature. He's yeah. had several that he uh, tried to tried to get off the ground. That one was called uh, uh, one was a book a story of a bookstore in England. Tried to do it here, and then he tried to do it in England. And almost got it together, and then couldn't get couldn't take enough Americans over to shoot in England, so we, that fell apart. But this is his first full length feature, I believe. So I assume he must have been sweating bullets the entire time. How did you give him a hard time through the production process? I, I smaller than us, so uh, you know, physically we, we just pummeled him every chance we got, and then he did what we said. Like, well, me, not entirely, but close enough. That cheeseburger, Stewie would say stuff like, "Are you going to eat that?" And 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 we just took food from him mostly. Body <laughs> was directing, but actually, it was just he was just like our, our our cook. So okay, so the real real question: When you, what about well, the? Not a real well, let me let me rephrase a more serious question. <laughs> oh, here we go. So you take it. Uh, yeah, not, not unless it's about cheeseburgers. <laughs> I, I guess it could be. Uh, if they were in, what about the script? Yeah, kind let me, of. Let me, take, let me take this. It started oh. off. I got a call from 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 Jeremy. I don't know how I met. I don't even remember how I met him. But I think Paula Malcolmson from uh, Deadwood called me and said, uh, "Talk to this guy. You know, he's making some short and." <laughs> Want you in it? So the guy called me, and we had lunch. It was, it was, it was seemed nice enough, you know. And uh, uh, he wanted to get together this this western he was making called Women of the West. And uh, I said, Oh, okay, fine. I'll play the bad guy. And yeah, sure, fine, yeah. And I said, Who's out? Who else is in it? He says, Well, I'm going to get a bunch of players from uh, Glendale College. And I said, Well, good luck to you. I'm not going to do it. He said, What? I said, No, no. You got to know one thing. If you're going to ask professional actors to be in, an, in, a, in a show with you, you have to be surrounded by professional actors. If you can't afford it, then you can't afford it. But And you don't pay a minimum. That's the lowest possible score you can give anybody to do their show. It has to be more than scale. I don't care if it's 50 bucks more than scale. You have to pay more than the least you can do. It makes a person feel better. Well, at least he's not paying me scale, you know? So... He said, can you, can you recommend anybody? I said, are you going to pay scale? He said, oh, no, I'll pay a little more. I said, okay, fine. He took some time off. He went and got some more money. And he called me back up. He says, okay, I got enough to pay everybody more than scale. I said, okay, what are the characters? He named this one, this one, this one, this one. And I said, yeah, Stewie and Stephen and, 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 and Paula and uh, uh, Bridgie. And, 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 and I gave him a full bunch of actors. He gave me a, a casting credit, I think. And, uh, and at the end of the day, each person that worked at that day, he handed him a check at the end of the day. You know, nobody's ever done that. Nobody does that. that. I mean, we went, wow. And plus, the guy was so organized. He had 15-minute increments, you know, 7.45, we do uh, a close-up on the hand. Uh, 8.15, we do the back of his head. 9.25, we do the knife stabbing. 10.15, everything, all day long. Lunch, boom, bing, bum, boom. And he stuck to it. <laughs> if he didn't finish it in that period of time, 
He did it at the end of the day, but he did everything as, as ordered. And he got the people in, he got them out. And I went, this guy is too organized. He can't be any good. Uh, he's too organized. <laughs> and I saw it and I went, geez, that's kind of fun. This guy was really good. Then he asked me to do another one. Yeah, I got some more people for him. Then he got another one and then another one and then another one. And then he didn't put me in one. Remember that one about the, uh, the, the corned beef sandwich? I mean, the Reuben? Yeah, he didn't put me in that one either. And I, re I wrote some of that stuff for him. Yeah, so I never worked with him again. You know, yes, you did. Oh, I did. Uh, oh, but yeah, he, was, uh, he's a, he turned out to be what you call a trustworthy producer director. A guy you could put your, 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 your uh, you know, your, yourself. Your money in the bank. In his hand. And in his hands. You trusted him. And uh, so it became very enjoyable to work for him. I remember he had a tough go at one of them that Stewie and I were both in because a kid was involved. Oh. And the kid was not an actor. He was a little kid. So he changed every three seconds. And he had to be mean and nasty in it and hit a guy with a bat. And uh, I spoiled it. Sorry. But, uh, but you know to try to get him to do that and not go, <laughs> you know, on every take, he had to be, you know, he had to be mean and nasty and he just couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it. And we were there late into the night. And I, one of my favorite pictures of Stewie and me is both of us sleep on each other's shoulder like this, you know, in our, in our <laughs> little chairs off stage. <clears throat> Peter, Peter actually, Peter actually, uh, Slapped that kid when he was out of control, which is, I think, where Will Smith got the idea. I don't know. That's just a conjecture. <laughs> yeah, but then they kicked me out of the kid baseball team when I was playing. <laughs> yeah, sounds like bad news. Um, <clears throat> so the the subject matter is is it's always interesting whenever you can take current stressors that are kind of affecting society as a whole and then bring them into a plot that can let you look at them from a different perspective. How did you approach or how does this particular um, movie approach this kind of division that we have? Is it, is it treated? Uh, how is it treated? How did you feel that this uh, movie was able to give us some insight into what's going on. You're talking about a movie called Deep in the Forest. I am indeed. <clears throat> well, I, I think Deep in the Forest, <clears throat> as far as present social things, is an exaggeration of what's going on or could be going on now, of course, in Russia, but what could be going on in the country. It's a, it's a kind of a political thriller uh, about... Um, I don't want to give. See, it's so hard to talk about a movie that hasn't come out yet because you don't want to give anything away. But it's about um, um, uh, the conflict between government and 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 the free society. It's also about, which is interesting, the dynamics of a group of people who must be together and dealing with leadership and problems uh, among all of them, which is a really interesting dynamic. And you throw in a bad guy and a knife and a gun, and uh, and and the political atmosphere of revolution and uh, and uh, and freedom, you, you get yourself kind of a nice little uh, uh, pot pie of uh, uh, of a movie, and it's you know it's it's very enjoyable, very watchable. Now, 
you um, when you approach this film, I'm I'm trying to think of the the best way to to kind of phrase this. How do you deliver a performance that has to do with this kind of a, a topic that that touches on uh, politics? You know, politics and religion and everything is always a real sensitive way. How do you approach it so that the viewer can feel empathy for the the characters that you play, even if they may potentially be of a completely different mindset? Well, I'll, you know, the way I approach every script, you do it, you do it with the words in the script. If the words in the script don't lead you to where you want to go, then you either drop out or you try to rewrite it. As far as my character, because the movie is about my character. It's about an old Jewish professor. Excuse me? No, excuse me. Just a minute, Peter. I can hear you. No, just a minute. It's about an old Jewish professor. Uh, I can hear you. All right. One of the characters is an old, it's an old professor. Start over. <laughs> and on that question again. See, I, I, I'm not worried about when you read a script offending somebody, pleasing somebody. You just you look at the script, you look at the words, you look at the character, like you've been trained to do for, you know, like it's, you know, 50, 55 years, and you play it as 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 honestly and truthfully as you can. You don't have you don't worry about the consequences. I mean, that's when political stuff and religious stuff get tedious and 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 uh, and pandemic, not pandemic, uh, pedantic when you start putting your 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 idea about what things should be you 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 read the script and you and you act as truthfully what the character is i I happen to like my character uh uh, a philosophy uh, guy and uh and i like the way he said and like the way he treats people and that was fine for me that's that's what i tried to do uh um, and that's it and then peter gets to order people around right well, Peter's the star of the damn movie, so you know. I'm not the star. It's uh, I, I like to play human beings, and and human beings have many sides. You know, sometimes they're uh, they're to the right, and sometimes they're to the left, and sometimes they don't know if they're right or left. And uh, this one, this particular show, uh, I think examines uh, people that are fed up, and uh, so they go to they go to far, far uh, ends to, to solve their problems, you know, and in the process, they, they, they're locked up in an area for a while, and uh, they have to deal with each other, and, and the heart and soul of every character starts to come out, and there's a good and bad side of everybody there, uh, you know, there's somebody for everyone to root for in this picture, and uh, hopefully it'll be me most of the time, but, <laughs> Uh, you know, there were the, the kids that were in this. Uh, there's a, there's an actress by the name of Ava uh, Abramian, who we all fell in love with. Stuart, she worked with Stewie a lot in this picture, and everybody fell in love with her because she she can't have a bad side. I don't think <laughs> this girl. We're under the worst conditions. It was freezing cold uh, all day in a broken down house that was literally falling apart everywhere you had to watch where you stepped you might go through the floor and uh so there was a we had to have a fire in the fireplace 
blazing where everyone hung out. So all the actors hung out around the fire and it was to pull them away to get in the next scene. Whoever, give me Stewie and give me uh, uh, Larry. And uh, they, they go, ah, do I have to go now? <laughs> and you go like this and then you run up to the set and do the thing. I hated going up and down the stairs. I'm sure Stewie did too, because old people don't go up and down the stairs well. I don't do stairs. We had to look like we're, you know, <laughs> when I'm going, uh, uh, Jason plays tennis 12 times a week. Don't give me that stuff. <laughs> Still, I've been doing it for 77 years. I mean, it's hard getting up those steps. It's hard. I don't jump over the net anymore. <laughs> well, but Petey's right. The, the interesting thing, besides the politics, about the, the, the fascist element of it and the, uh, well, they call them the patriots and the, and the freedom fighters. Uh, and we're one or the other. I won't give it away. But the interesting, to me, one of the interesting dynamics is being as a group, as a bunch of characters in, in the same place, having to be in the same place. And the, the, the information that comes out of that, of that tension and that, and there was a lot of tension. It's a lot of real dramatic stuff. I mean, including physical stuff and emotional stuff. And that, that to me is one of the souls of the movie and, and the, the production about how the characters react under very difficult conditions. And uh, as well, as much as the politics, that to me is the, is the source of the movie. And by the way, we, the, the location, it was not to, not to bad mouth the location. Mary Radford, who, who is our, 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 our godmother, she found this place and uh, it's never been seen in a movie. It, it is, it's a spectacular place. And uh, I don't know how she found it out in Simi Valley, way out somewhere owned by an old prop man or something. And it had everything in it that we needed and more. And uh, uh, Mary Radford helped. We even shot in her house. That's how, that's what kind of movie this was. She allowed us to come in for a couple of days and, and, and uh, take over her house. And uh, you don't want anybody in your house shooting movies. You just don't, you know, and she did it. But she's a, she is a, a love of all of ours. And uh, I don't know if she, what kind of credit she got in this, but I would say godmother of us all, you know, because she uh, is a fabulous person. I just wanted to give her a shout out. Speaking, speaking of shout outs, I just got to mention, because I got him here, in the movie is Ursula Brooks, Darwin Jordan, Makara Gamble, Peter, oh, we know about him. Uh, his name Jedediah Dyer is that it? Jed Dyer. Oh, Jedediah. We had an actor who was supposed to show up and play this role, and he never showed, oh. and so we panicked. And Jed was was on the crew, so this actor didn't show up. And Jedediah was uh, working. He's worked on several of Jeremy's movies as uh, everything: uh, a, a grip, a gopher, a, 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 a you know. He just did whatever Jeremy needed done on the picture, and you know he he, he uh, carried lights. He carried cable. He set up lunch. He did whatever was needed on the movie. He was one of Jeremy's pals. And uh, so he asked him, he said, can you play this role? And he went, uh, uh, okay, you know. <laughs> and he came in and gave a stellar performance. I thought one of the best performances in the show. And this, uh, it was a first time acting job for him. And he loved it so much. I think he's an actor now. <laughs> I hear that. Right, I got to finish the cast. Keith Stevenson. Uh, P.J. Oakland, Wendy Worthington, Will Bradley. Those are our those are our chief guys. And a Ava that, P that Peter mentioned. I just want to make sure that they get in here. Absolutely. 
Okay, so two final questions to finish things up. I always ask this to every set of people that we have because it has nothing to do with anything for the most part. Um, I, I like uh, I like to think that we're all united at least in one thing, and that is the the love to eat things. Uh, so I ask every person, do you love pizza? And if you do, what is your favorite kind of pizza? Are you a uh, Chicago slice, a New York slice? Do you like the uh, California style? What What kind of pizza do you love? This is what they taught you in journalism school? Absolutely not. Petey, you want to start? Yeah, Christopher Street, Johnny's Pizza with Sausage. <laughs> love it. Uh, I, I have recently become addicted to... There's a place right near where I live called B Street. They have an eggplant uh, smoked cheese, cheese marinara uh, pizza, which I love. However, my wife's family and my wife have been in the restaurant business, used to be in the restaurant business for 90 years. Wow. So Stango's Pizza in Long Island was always my favorite, not to mention every other food. But now, since Stango's is not there anymore, B Street eggplant pizza. Nice. You can have it delivered to my house. <laughs> Excellent. On the West Coast, yeah. I like the Lido. Nice. Where's the Lido? Over in the valley, off of Sepulveda and where do we play at Woodley? What's the name of that street? The next one, past Woodley, whatever that one is. Yeah, nice. I don't know. Victory. Victory and, and Sepulveda. The little shopping center there, and it's the leader. And, and Peter and I will be there next week from three to seven, signing autographs, signing pizzas. Oh, that'd be that would be fantastic, and in pepperoni slices. Um, What's so, the second question? So the second question is: Are either of you comic fans? And if you are, is there a comic character that you would absolutely love to play? Wow. Well, when I was. Uh, starting out with not necessarily the news, we uh, we used to go to comedy stores a lot just because we ha we ran into comics. There was a lot of Second City people, not the news, and uh, and my wife and I just decided to go see comics. Is that what you're asking about? Stand up comics or comic uh, characters? Well, I love stand up comics, but I was actually going with comic book or comic strip characters. I should have el el elucidate elucidated uh, clarified. There we go. Well, well, I grew up with Superman, so I'll take I'll pick Superman. I, I, I would uh, one of my early, early, early days. There was a comic book, uh, comic newspaper comic character by the name of Beetle Bailey. Right. And and uh, uh, I always loved Beetle Bailey. So, and I've never seen him done into a movie. I've never seen any kind of thing about him. And uh, I, I'm probably too old to play him. But uh, I would love to be a part of uh, the Beetle Bailey, uh, maybe his general or something. Uh, and uh, he was he was one of my favorite cartoon characters, Beetle Bailey. And, I, and he's never been done, so let's yeah, do him. Man. That would be pretty pretty fun. I think uh, Jerry Lewis did a, a, a similar character back in the day uh, from an adaptation. But for for Mr. Jason, I just the style of your hair that you had in a lot of the films and, and your facial structure I always thought would have been just a fantastic fit for the character uh, Tombstone. It's a uh, villain for Spider-Man. He's kind of um, uh, gives off a prohibition era gangster vibe with just kind of a, a scarier side to it. That would have been a, been a <laughs> I think you could have definitely pulled that off. Um, and no, I I always saw Stuart. I, I would love to have seen and still would love to see Stuart uh, play the Mad Hatter 
for for Batman as a villain. That's too much work. That's pumping <laughs> around too much. That's too <laughs> when much I was younger, I wanted to, I always wanted to do Cyrano the Bergerac. Again, oh. <laughs> way that ship has sailed. <laughs> <laughs> I played Mont Fleury. That's right, you did. Thrice happy he who hides from pomp and power in sylvan shade and solitary bower. Now, Get please don't judge. Stage. Please don't judge Shakespeare on this on this uh, uh, clip, okay? That's not Shakespeare. Oh, Rostand, Edmund Rostand. You call that Shakespeare? Uh, <laughs> Peter um, Jason, Peter Jason, my friend. I, can, oh, I cannot thank the both of you. Enough. Well, you can send us a big check. I just sent it to Stewie, and he'll take me to lunch. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you taking your time to to talk to us and to to share your love of of the craft and uh, your experience. And I I hope uh, you both continue to keep getting these awesome roles, so I can keep seeing you in more stuff to come. Thanks, Ralph. ears. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Signing thank off. you, Ken. Pleasure. Deep in the forest. I'll oh. see you deep in the forest. You don't meet any friends when you're deep in the forest. That was my line. <laughs> now, if you enjoyed that conversation with these fine actors, you can see them in their new film, Deep in the Forest. When is that coming out, Richard? I do believe it is May 31st. Indeed. And it will be on demand. All video platforms. You can see them in their new film, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Take the opportunity to see two masters at work along with a really fine additional cast and just a really a fun film. May 31st, Deep in the Forest. 